Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzig, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Uh, Noel, we're keeping it short this week. We are. We are. Um, we're keeping it short in part because I'm in Los Angeles uh, this week, um, recording actually in the presence of friend of the show, Les Chapel, um, who's on the other side of the loft. Oh, I um, didn't know. But... I say hi when we're done. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll, yeah. No, if you want to, uh, we can loop him in. Um, but yeah, so he's he's here, and I'm he. We're both here because also friend of the show uh, Nick Campbell, who came on to do the state with us last year, he's getting married on Saturday. So we're in town for his wedding, and it's very exciting. Apart from the hundred degree weather that we're having right now in Los Angeles, and it's kind <laughs> of unbearable. Uh, so yeah, that's that's why we're keeping it short, at least on my end. Why are we keeping it short on your end this week? First of all. My heartfelt congratulations <laughs> to Nick. Pass that along, please. And I will. Uh, yes, that at least you've been to LA now. I've never. I keep getting. Oh, harassed. I've been. This yeah, this is my second time, and I don't like this city very much. Condolences <laughs> to anyone who lives in Los Angeles, but I'm not a big fan of this city. Anyway, continue. Anyways, so the reason we're keeping it uh, short on my end is that I'm recording inside of a car outside of the library because I'm very quickly running between lessons. It's a whole thing. It's audition season, Noel, is the thing. So all my students want extra lessons. Yes. Right. Um, Well, that that means extra money for Kate, and that's that's a good thing. Yes. Does that mean extra money? Well, it means extra money, um, which will defray the the less money when people cancel their lessons for Labor Day. So it will be equal monies. Which yeah, well, well, yeah, well, at least it's e- at least it equals out. It equals um, out. That's good. That's it, which good. is good. Um, but yeah, so I'm in direct sunlight in a box full surrounded full of glass. It's very warm here too. So we're gonna be keeping mm-hmm. it short. Um, at the end of the show, we are going to have our uh, our fall TV preview or network TV preview, as we were originally planning last week. You yes. heard if last week was my oh so creative record scratch when we changed our plans we bumped that back to this week so um, that'll be coming at the end of the podcast uh, I know so, didn't the Inhumans premiere premiere in IMAX already oh is that this week it might be this week it um, might, so people might already have seen that we hadn't seen that when we were we hadn't seen that yet when we recorded um, so let us know if you have more thoughts on that listeners uh, but. We're still a ways out from premieres, so uh, I look forward to hearing, like, like revisiting the segment and hearing from people as the premieres do start to roll out in September, uh, like the middle and end of September and into October. But, yeah. Yeah, I do, too. The premiere season feels a little bit later this year, um, but yeah. I think that's because of the Emmys. Um but yeah, no, it's really weird that like uh, most of all the other broadcast shows are starting uh, towards the end of September, and then normally we've got like a good three, four week buffer before CW shows start, and I don't think that's the case this year really. No. Um, which is which is interesting. Um, I'm, but yeah, but maybe folks are realizing the CW strategy of airing nine episodes straight through in December is a good idea. <laughs> Yeah. Um, also, normally this would be our Make You Watchathon episode, the start right. of a new year of the podcast. But 
because of the the way that the things have been bumped back. We're going to be doing that next week. For those who don't know, once a year, we get to make each other watch things um, as the anniversary of the podcast starting. So this year, Noel, I am making you watch Catastrophe. Right. Um, which is on, on Amazon Prime. Listeners, you can catch up with it and to, so to fully enjoy our segment next week. Um, and, Noel, you're making me watch. I'm making Kate watch the original Sailor Moon anime adaptation, uh, which you can watch on Hulu, um, both with the Viz Media dub, but also subtitled if you'd prefer. Yes, and I'm, I'm, still, I'm still working. It's, just, it's not my show. It's not my show. But um, it's like I'm I'm I think I'm developing a taste somewhat like I don't know. We'll see. I'm just very glad I, I learned from previous experience and didn't try to watch it all in one day. Yeah, no, <laughs> which is a that's mistake. A terrible last idea. Year. <laughs> it's it's very formulaic, Kate. Yeah. Uh, should have told you. But that's why I gave you the episode guide. You did. You did very specifically tell me. And I learned this year. And I'm not doing that this year. But anyway, so listeners, you can watch along um, with that. Like Noel said on Hulu, catch up with Catastrophe on Amazon. Um, and come next week. Excited to hear um, what the two of us think about these shows that we have never seen. But clearly that we each care about um in order to have made the other person watch them uh, i did want to mention we heard from carl this week on twitter uh asking if if we had seen dirk gently uh, or dirk gently's holistic detective agency the bbc america version not the previous uk adaptation um and i forgot to get back to carl on twitter in a timely fashion so i was like top of the show this is why we had the top of the show uh carl i did watch the first few episodes of that and while I enjoy the cast, uh, I was very strongly turned off by its handling of some of the characters, very specifically the the I, the woman chained and uh, to to a bed with very leery photography. I mean, constant threat of bodily violence and rape. So I was like, mm, no, not watching this. I don't. I I was very squicked out. I did not think it was warranted or necessary in any manner and the show was taking far too much enjoyment out of the this this woman being in peril so uh not my jam not watching it not watching any more of it if that is not gonna be a big issue for you i could see how you could enjoy the series but there was not um i didn't think there was any need for that uh it was not earned i guess uh, in the narrative and so it very quickly fell off of my radar. Now, Noel, I remember at the time you had not seen this. You had some some friends maybe who had checked it out. Did, did you hear back? Did anybody finish it up and say yay or nay to you? Uh, no, I told them what you thought about it, and they went, oh, I'm not going to watch that, is what <laughs> happened with, with that. Is I just went, Kate watched it. She didn't like it for these reasons. And my friend went, oh, that doesn't sound like the book I read. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we all like Elijah Wood. Like, I get it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, you know. But um, so, yeah, so that's why, Carl, I did not check back in with that on the podcast. Um, okay. It's already getting warm in here. Marty's starting to bake. I'm sure it's warm where you are without. <laughs> the, the, Noel generously turned off the AC so we wouldn't have a background hum uh, of air conditioning. And we still have one. But <laughs> a lesser one. So we're both baking in our respective locales. It's time to stop talking and go to our weekend TV. We and will. Talk some more. Listen to some, and talk some more. Listen to some music, and we'll be right back after this. Mm-hmm. 
this week in TV, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Game of Thrones midseason finale or season seven finale. Depends on if you're calling it seven and eight or just seven, whatever. The Dragon and the Wolf. Then we'll both talk a little bit more about the Tick season one, which, of course, we gave our brief thoughts on last week. We'll talk People of Earth, Aftermath. I'll uh, do a quick roundup of Rick and Morty, Rest and Ricklaxation, Difficult People, Bernie and Blythe, uh, and Twin Peaks, The Return Part 16. Then we'll round out the segment with Room 104, The Internet, The Bold Type, Before Tequila Sunrise, and Halt and Catch Fire, Miscellaneous. So first up is the Game of Thrones midseason finale and... There was some really great stuff in here. They got back to their strength, which they have, they have two main strengths on Game of Thrones and all. One is awesome, like spectacle and uh, battles and like just really amazing visual sequences and visceral, um, again, spectacle and people sitting Incest. in a room talking. Oh. No, people sitting in a room talking. <laughs> so when you have Lena Headey and uh, Peter Dinklage sitting across from each other, just being really amazing actors, that's going to be great. Um, when you have a zombie dragon breathing blue flame, don't think about the fact that fire burns zombies, and so it shouldn't be able to produce an even hotter flame and not be consumed by it. Don't think about that. Um Zombie dragon melting the wall with its, like, jet blue flame. Also amazing. Um, less amazing, the some of the, the contrivances required to make various things happen. We got the payoff to the Sansa and Arya thing. It was stupid. It was very satisfying to watch Littlefinger go uh, and the way he went out and everything. But the what they needed to do in order to trick the audience because that's what they really wanted, that's what they were trying to do, was exclude scenes that there was no reason to exclude other than to pull one over on the audience. And I, th I think that's cheap writing. Um, they could have just shown... I, I still think they made Sansa an idiot for the last two episodes so that they could have the audience uncertain of what she was going to do so that then they could fake out the audience and have her think, have us think she's going to betray Arya, but really she's pulling one over on Little. Like, no, it just, I expect better from the Game of Thrones writers, um, better characterization. And there, it just goes with this, this prioritization of like, uh, of big moments and, and Zom moments, you know, like us, like there was all these, there were several threads on Twitter about how they bungled the John and Danny hookup because they never showed their first kiss. They just cut to them boning, <laughs> naked boning on a ship while, of course, the voiceover confirms that they are uh, related. Um, so it's just like, unless their whole point is that they don't want you to be invested in this relationship, which is possible considering the utter lack of chemistry between the actors. Um, then, then it was a poor handling of what should be, what is a fan favorite pairing and a long awaited pairing and coupling. Um, so it's just, it, it, there's several things that happened that were very satisfying and fun to watch. There are many other things that were satisfying because we all knew they were going to happen and then they did, but that, that doesn't last. That's not the kind of thing that's going to have people coming back to the show like five years later, 10 years later and saying, Oh, remember when that thing we all knew for three or four years was going to happen, happened. And then we were all like, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Like that. They've got a problem with that on game of Thrones and 
they only have six episodes left. I don't know how much they'll be able to adjust to avoid that problem in the next season or if they're even interested in doing so. But, you know, it was a mixed mixed bag of a finale and I'm ready to have a break. I know other people are very disappointed, but I'm ready for a Game of Thrones break. Uh, any any questions, queries, concerns, considerations about Game of Thrones? Oh, not Thrones watcher Noel. Uh, how do you feel about the possibility that they've apparently discussed the idea that the remainder of the episodes that they have lined up are all going to be roughly feature length? Like 82 minutes. Yeah, it, so. it depends on what they do with those minutes. This episode didn't sure. need to be as long as it was. There was some. Mm-hmm. There were some sequences that were terrific. Don't get me wrong. I didn't mention. I should have mentioned the sequence of of a zombie like coming out and attacking, like rushing towards Cersei was was really great. But then they had this whole edited sequence in with Theon getting beat up by another captain. Like they they're trying really Theon hard. Theon got beat up again. Yeah. And then he beat up the other guys like for Yara, we're going to go save my sister so that I can heroically die to save her. It's just like nobody cares about Theon and they're trying really hard and I don't know why they're trying. Like there were several different set like little things that didn't need to be in there that were just in there so this doesn't up for the next season or because they're trying to get us invested in a certain character i mean yeah it, it did need to be this long now when they do things like these massive epic battles those require more time especially the more characters you have in one location that you are trying to feature and show show off if you have a, a massive you know just battle between the zombie of the dead like the the zombie army the army of the dead and you know half of your main cast that's going to take a lot of time to show so you're going to if you're going to have anything besides that battle you're going to need more time in the episode so you know it just depends on how they use it i i'm i'm sort of ambivalent i'm not against it the way i am with most shows because of the epic nature of game of thrones but i don't want to be watching like I don't want to be watching extraneous dialogue uh, like, like like oh we're going to see the hound smack talk the mountain even though it makes no sense in the context of what's happening and he this would never be something that they would do in front of all these kings and queens um like know your pacing show be be careful about your pacing and I'll and I'm on board for 82 minutes otherwise it just like turns into a second screen situation especially with the twitter game for thrones being so strong that's just what yeah. I default to yeah, um, that that was about all I had when I heard that they were considering uh, doing longer episodes for the remainder. I wanted to know what Kate felt about that. And that's what I feel about that. I want to know what Noel feels about the first season of The Tick, now that you have seen it all. Or the first half uh, season, I should say. Yeah, it's so good, Kate. It's so good. <laughs> I'm glad you um, enjoyed it. Right. Uh, I think my favorite was episode four, which is Party Crashers, which is uh, when The Tick crashes... Um, author's stepdad's birthday that episode was my favorite um just because we got to see the tick interact with people like people and and how people did not respond to the fact that there was this big guy in a blue suit with uh antenna that seemed to move on their own uh it was just it was a lot of fun and I, I really enjoyed it i feel like they're really sort of digging into this idea of i i well, no, I, I like the mystery aspect of that the tick doesn't really know anything, which has been a standard bit of that mythology. Um, but that we're all exploring that. Um, and I just also liked how kind of delightfully self-aware it was. Like, I like the fact that episode six ends with the terror screaming, Cliffhanger! 
and that's 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 the end of that's the end of the first season. I was just that's really delightful. I'm glad you're aware of the, how kind of cliche this is, but I'm okay with it because you did that. And <laughs> I think that's where it ends up falling a lot is that they kind of just get onto the edge of being a little too superhero-y, and then they kind of do something funny either through the tick. Uh, getting onto overkill um, for being well overkill, and <laughs> and it, it brings it back, and I really appreciate that about the show. So I really really enjoyed it. I watched um, all three of these immediately after we got done recording. Uh, yes, uh, not yesterday, last week, and it was just it was a real delight. And I, I I'm really excited for what's going to come in the next run of episodes, especially with. Um, uh, Ms. Lint um, mm-hmm. taking over for um, Ramsey's, and so uh, it's very exciting. I'm very excited for what's going to come next. Uh, how, since you can now talk a little more freely, how did you feel about the second half? How great is it to see Yara Martinez get this this stuff to play? Right? Oh God, it's so great. I just I would love if they would figure out how to use her on on Jane the Virgin. Like I, I get there's tricky issues with that character about. You know, like how how to how to work her into to a very full ensemble. They haven't quite figured it out yet, uh, but I hope that they do because she's just a, she's just so much fun here. The the levels of the whole show, like I said last week, they're just pitched correctly. Like right, you know, like it's a it's a tricky balancing act, but they're all just right where they need to be. And she's so exasperated while she's. <laughs> Coded in cat hair, you know that vacuum gag is so good. Yeah, like it's, it, but it's not a big gag either. It's like it's really underplayed given everything. But I love that they underplayed it because instead of like doing this big moment, we got the sight gag of her walking out covered in all this vacuum grossness, and just her like steady realization that this is my life without these grounding bracelets. And it was just, it was really good. I like how sort of, this is something that the Tick's always done well in regardless of incarnations is just the mundanity of being a superhero or a supervillain and how it's sort of just like having a job. And I mean, this is something that uh, we've all discussed like in relationship to like the Venture Brothers, but the Tick just does it really, really well as well. So it was, it was really, really great. Yeah. I also enjoyed, um, I liked, you know what they set up for the next half. I like Dot going undercover. Basically, um, I liked the the that there's something about the tick in Arthur's glasses, like in like which he still has not really figured out. But like you, they, one of the things he scrolls past, there's like an outline of the tick or something. So there's more that's clearly coming with that. Um, I like just like the 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 beat that we get of oh overkill did he say anything about me oh miss lint did she say anything about me <laughs> like this, there's there's so many little things like that that i think are going to be really fun to see paid off in you know should they choose to in, in the next half of the season and and like you said Jackie Earl Haley is just so ridiculous in this role and they used him just the right amount to be like mm-hmm. believably terrifying to a child and then like when he comes back at the in the the mid season finale, um, but also they use him infrequently enough that he can be really over the top and really big and not have it bog everything down. Yeah, absolutely. So super fun, guys! You should go watch the Tick if you have not yet watched the Tick. 
Do you think this has, is a contender for you for one of the best new shows this year? If there's some steep competition. Uh, there is some stu- stiff competition, but I feel like it's probably in the mix. I'd have to go to my spreadsheet right. and see where things are stacking up. Yeah. Okay. How about people of Earth? Uh, I'm curious. I have a theory. I want to know your thoughts. Do you think the fact that Ozzy showed up, however briefly, in that dream sequence, uh, Anagasai's dream sequence, means that he's coming back or that he's not coming back? I gave that a lot of thought, and I wasn't quite sure how to parse that exactly. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Um, I think that given everything, that there's a potential that he'll come back towards the end. Well, we're almost at the end of the season. Um, But much closer towards the end, considering also that his coffin got um, uh, abducted or experienced. His coffin got experienced. (laughs) Um, And we'll, we'll see. But... I don't know. Like, I kind of feel like this was a really good sort of way to, like, have Sanak leave if he's actually going to leave. I agree. But I, if he is leaving, I don't think the last thing we see from him is just this, like, little snippet in her dream. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I think the last thing we see from him is just, Walsh. you know, like, and yeah. I don't think they bring him back for just, like, one quick flash in one dream. I think, like, he might still be dead and he might pop up in more of her dreams. But... I you know like I don't know that they're bringing the character back alive. I just, I don't think that's the only. I don't think that's the last we've seen of Snack because he showed up in that dream. Okay, no, that makes sense. Um, I could see him just showing up in everyone's dreams for like come in, shoot for a day, and then leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because I really get the especially because you've mentioned he wasn't at Comic Con, that he's he's done, I guess, and his reduced role this season. Um. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I feel like there's a I feel like there's potential to go for the show to go either way and me be okay with it both either way too. I just look forward to eventually getting to the point where Jeff is forced to admit admit that he kissed Kurt. Um and then they try to get him to kiss Ozzy to wake to bring him back to life. <gasps> Oh my God, Kate! I bet you've predicted what they're going to do. I'm just, like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like that's gonna happen, and I look forward to when it does. Oh, that's gonna be really fun. Oh, I, I do like that. All our aliens are like back, to, like all our aliens are like together now, mm-hmm. and the dynamics that are like being tossed around there are really good. And I like that Walsh is the one that goes. I don't think that Cube understands complex emotions like <laughs> guilt. <laughs> Yeah. And so I, I really appreciate that little wrinkle of a potential weakness in Eric, um, in Eric's uh, armor. Yeah, I, I like. Uh, I'm looking forward to Jeff's rebellion or, or mutiny. Sorry, Jeff's mutiny. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm legit worried about Jerry. Yeah, I'm worried about Jerry too. And they're playing that well. They are, and I'm I'm, I'm really worried about what's going to happen to everyone once Jerry um, goes full Manchurian candidate. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll see what happens. There's only a few episodes. I guess there's 10, right? So we're just past halfway. Okay. Um, I wanted to mention Rick and Morty, Rust and Ricklaxation, because the the premise this episode was particularly terrific. Uh, After another really stressful series of adventures, um, Rick and Morty need to relax. So they go to an intergalactic spa or whatever, and they go through a detoxifying process that literally removes the toxic parts of them what they individually consider the toxic parts of their personality from their body and splits them into 
health air quotes healthy Rick and Morty and toxic Rick and Morty and Rick and Naturally. toxic Rick and Morty have to then escape from this containment thing that it's like a whole thing uh, and this lampooning of what is what is healthy and what isn't and um you know Morty without his doubt and anxiety is just like a sociopath who becomes an investment banker or or uh, like a Wall Street guy um yeah, so it's just, it's just, whereas Rick considers toxic part of him the part that cares about other people. So, oh, like, no. yeah, no, it's it's really, so, like, he's really kind and, and, and considerate and all these other things, but he also doesn't have any strong attachments to anyone, if he's, like, really honest with himself. So, like, it was just a really terrific concept, really well executed, and that it's just been a very strong season of Rick and Morty. I haven't been bringing it up every week because I don't want to just repeat myself a bunch. Um, but I thought that, again, this is the kind of concept that you're not seeing other shows explore. Like, they haven't done something like this on, like, Steven Universe yet because that wouldn't be appropriate to Steven's journey yet we might get there i kind of hope we don't but right now he's not he hasn't been like broken that much um or something like this would make sense for adventure time they've uh, addressed some of these issues but not quite in this way so i I wanted to give some love to the the team over at rick and morty for continuing to have a really strong third season i would say strongest yet and uh, i look forward to what else they have in store (laughs) um difficult people uh, has been continuing as well. And I just wanted to give a shout out to John Cho um, because I caught up with episodes four through six and he's in four and six. Really enjoying him as this new love interest um, for Billy and, uh, you know, how they're how they're playing that character in that dynamic. Basically, they bond over being terrible. Uh, <laughs> and, like they get into like a... I can't imagine John Cho being terrible though. Right? It's really it's, difficult. It's fun. Well, because they like they... they, they get into a battle of escalating being a dick to each other okay like, taking advantage of like um uh billy gets hoodwinked into signing away his likeness by john cho's like company and so then he retaliates and then he retaliates and it just escalates it's super fun that's the fourth episode um and so so just it's it's a really nice pairing for Billy. It's a good character for, for him, the partner is. And uh it's fun to see John Cho in this role. So I would encourage John Cho fans out there, seek out these episodes of Difficult People, episode four and episode six of season three. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And then the last one I'll do here by myself is Twin Peaks. Dale Cooper is indeed back and it's Woo! wonderful. And this is the this week is the finale, the two part finale. So I'm not going to say much more. I'll have more to say after the season finishes, I suppose. Um, that might be another one where I I, I call in a friend. I parachute in Emily. You Stevens. should. You should. Yeah, you absolutely should. I think that's a really good idea. Because because I just I I need someone to help me break it down. Because I'm. Yeah. I'm is there's so much it's so dense but uh it's getting more conventional in these last episodes and i think because they took their time being experimental and and really diving into the weirdness of lynch and frost's world and what they want to explore that when you get a more conventional episode like this like episode 16 part 16 um it can be really satisfying without betraying the core conceits and principles of Twin Peaks itself. Um, so I look forward to seeing what they do with the last two. I imagine it'll be a blend between a more traditional TV finale and I, I imagine it'll be like the, 
they will be paying certain things off and having some really satisfying elements. But like they waited for episode sixteen to have Audrey do the Audrey dance, and so oh, when she that does, restraint, right? Yeah, and we got we got some we got a, a lot of information in like one split second about what's going on with Audrey, and it was this cut to her like looking completely different in an all white room with a buzz of electricity looking into a mirror after seeing her in these really heightened situations in several episodes. So clearly she's trapped somewhere and she managed to like break out of whatever's holding her for like a split second and see the actual world and then cut away. So like I, it's just really intriguing and really uh, satisfying and the journey has been fascinating, but I look forward to seeing what, like, the blend of completely out there, strange, who even knows, and Agent Del Cooper being a badass that I'm anticipating we're going to get in the last two episodes. So, super duper fun, Twin Peaks. Let's move on to Room 104, the internet, and the most straightforward Room 104 yet, and I would say, yes. so far, the best. Yeah, I think so. Um, we were, we've were we been putting off talking about this for a couple of weeks because we've been sort of dissatisfied or unsatisfied. I always forget which one I'm supposed to use. <laughs> um, with the show on episodes three and four. And this episode is, like you said, it's very straightforward. The show's by now patent twist in this is a little more straightforward. And, but it's, it's the most welcome so far. And we'll talk about twists because I said twists and air quotes because, again three and four, but also two to a certain extent. Um, but no, all this was really nice. I mean, it was sort of anxiety-inducing, just the way he's yelling at his mother the entire time. Um, but the ups and downs of that phone call were just really, really good. And it was still really captivating in a lot of ways. And especially considering that you basically only have one actor on screen and then one actor who's off screen on the telephone and it was just it was really compelling and i really appreciated how it all got tied in really nicely of like this is my life's work etc 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 and then it's just like but you're you're adopted and just how that recontextualizes everything for him after he gets off the phone and how this sort of recontextualizes her relationship with him and it's just it was really really good and I really I ended up really liking it I was sort of not sure but this is the instance where the twist made me very sure and that isn't something I've been able to really say since episode one um so how did you feel about this one apart from thinking so far like the best so far that they've done well for me it was just I was watching going like okay I can identify with some of this (laughs) having been asked to give tech support over the phone um, for things that are very simple for me because I do them all the time to family members for whom they are not because they don't like the okay you just, you just gotta click like the click click yeah twice fast just like but I can hear it. you're not doing it like that they they really hit the nail on the head there in in uh just capturing what that feels like and the frustration that that can can lead to but without like making the mom seem dumb or, or 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 being disrespectful like i thought that they balanced that well where you can understand the the son's frustration while also thinking like okay maybe you should maybe you should chill a little bit here like i thought that they played those levels well um but about like halfway through i was starting to look at my watch and I'm like okay yeah i was too 
this is like I get you look you're doing a good job of this but is this all it is because like you need something else we need and then to happen and so I thought they waited a little too long for the end then to happen but once it did I thought it was really really well played and the shift over to pure like from more comedic to pure drama worked really really well and it felt for a twist pretty organic yes um and, and and it felt very emotionally honest. And that's what I care about with a twist. I don't care about, oh, the door opened after the kid was dead. Ah. You know, like, I don't care about that. I, I don't care. Ah, well, he was the Dom all along. You know, or the sub is actually the one in control of this BDSM situation. Like, I, those, those have not been interesting. And it felt like the show has been way too impressed with itself for its yeah. twists. Um. And so, like, the the highlight of that being just, like, the, his friend is dead. Like, no, that episode was the weakest so far, and I did, it was way too proud of itself for its twist. Um, so uh, this one, in contrast to that, um, just went to this other place, but it didn't feel like it was pulling one over the audience, because we were right there with our main character, who also didn't know who was surprised as well. And so taking us on that journey, I thought was a much more effective way to do that same kind of thing. No, absolutely. And that's sort of the, um, whatchamacallit, um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of the correct phrase, uh, but I can't think of the phrase right now because it's so hot. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, the show's like is rapidly approaching like the point of diminishing returns on the twist because like by, by now we're expecting it in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so... I kept kind of waiting for something really terrible to happen. Um, and something happened, but it wasn't like terrible. It was just life changing in a really, what ended up being a really positive way. And that made me really excited um, that the show could do that in a way that didn't feel like, ah, oh, we're going to get one. To, like you said, we're going to get one over on you, which is what they've kind of consistently been doing or, uh, like with the Nakadu um, episode where it's just sort of ambiguous and that wasn't particularly satisfying either, despite the performances in that episode. Um, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm sort of hesitant to keep going, but the fact that it's sort of a new plot each week like has me going back. But I think like my big thing is like what you discussed with the internet is that I was also like checking my watch halfway through and going like, I think I'm just going to turn this off Mm -hmm. and I can feel like that creeping up on me if I watch any more episodes and just being like, I don't need to finish this and just turning it off and watching something else or reading something else or doing anything else. Um, Are you going to like keep up with this? Because we're like five episodes in, but it's going to be like kind of a long stretch of episodes. Yeah. It's really benefiting from being on a Saturday right now (laughs) when I Uh, don't, when I'm, or Friday, so yeah, so Friday, yeah. so I watch it on Saturday, um, where yeah. I, like I don't already have a week of TVM behind on. <laughs> um, right. So yeah. We'll that, see. That helps it a lot. Yeah, like honestly, if it wasn't on our show list every week, I would have forgotten it was on TV. Same. Same. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, how about the bold type? We're approaching the finale. Next week is the season one finale. This was before Tequila Sunrise, and uh, how do you feel about our? new life paths for some of these characters. I really like this episode a whole lot. Um, I tweeted this and I, I'm just glad that the bold type was the one who got the 
uh, bottle episode of Trump has shut down New York City somehow. Mm -hmm. And that they were the first show to be able to get that. And I just went, I really like that they were the first show that was able to do this. That makes me happy. That is, it's this really solidly executed teen air quote show on Freeform. And they're just like, ah, we got this. We're steady enough that we can do this. And they are. They totally nailed it. I really enjoyed um, how they executed everything. So it makes it, I really don't expect insight. And oh God, did you see how they spelled insight? Uh, um, that I don't expect the inside thing to stick um, because I think that'd be too much of a big shift for the show to like split but I, I kind of want them to stick with it at least through the end of the season and then maybe have Jane go back to Scarlet sometime early in season two um, after something happens regarding inside or you know Scarlet just buys inside um, is something that could feasibly happen as a way to bolster their political um, vertical. But either way, I'm like kind of excited about it. I did not expect the show to have Jane accept the job. I figured that this was just going to be some flat tension um, that was generally well executed, but I never really actually thought she would take the job. So I'm, I'm excited for this finale. Um, how did you feel about that? Did you enjoy the fact that we got a kind of a last hurrah for Pinstripe, whose first name was said like multiple times, and I still don't care to know it because he's <laughs> just going to be Pinstripe. He's Pinstripe. Um, yeah, there are some several things that I really enjoyed about this. I thought overall it was paced really well. It was a fun episode. It was the it, it was mostly the characters um, letting off some steam and dealing with some significant yeah. choices. Everything with Kadena was very swoon worthy and wonderful and it just it was makes my heart so glad and full that we're watching this romance yeah well there is it's it's this romance between two queer women of color and one who's uh, a headscarf wearing uh, muslim like you'd never see this on tv and so just from a representational standpoint yeah, i would be over huge. the moon but to see the execution then also be so terrific it's wonderful. Um, also, did you know the actress playing Cat is from Australia? I think I did know that. Actually, yes. It's you. Props really on her tell. accent work. Yeah. I gotta yeah, it's say, really solid. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyways, sorry. The other things that I enjoyed. It's like you could tell that there was only going to be one couple getting together, and there was only going to be one big change. So. I'm like, well, they're not going to have Kat actually get on the plane, so that right. means that Jane's going to take the job. Like, it was like an either-or proposition. And it's like either Sutton and hot co-worker guy. Alex. or Alex, yeah. Or Jane and Pinstripe are going to hook up, and they're not going to do Jane and Pinstripe. So it was like one of those situations. And I, 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 So some of it was a little more expectedly unexpected, you know what I mean? For me, yeah. but I thought that they played it well. I thought, it, you know, they again the the point wasn't the twist. The point wasn't the surprise. The point was the characters going taking the like these steps in their lives that make sense for them and that really demonstrate who they are and who they want to become. So I thought it was really well executed from that. I also loved the stuff with Trump, and I also loved that they didn't feel the need to have somebody be their like token trumper or something yes. because nobody yeah. on this show would be a trump person at all so they would have had to like bend over backwards and i'm glad that they just didn't and and, and i love that jacqueline just says 45 she won't even say the name 
Um, it was a really yeah. great and again logical and organic to the world way to incorporate Trump without just having somebody men- bring it up. You know, like we saw what ha- was happening when he was uh, in New York, just as like as the 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 uh, going to be the president. You know, as the incoming next year he'll be the president. He just like was shutting down New York. So, like, of course, that's that would have that same impact should he go to New York as POTUS. So I thought it was, again, it was a really smart way to do it and super fun. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing what the finale is going to bring. Though I, I, I think it was a little bit of a stretch for the idea that he ordered a souffle. I just I don't see that happening. No, but um, I could see him ordering chocolate cake, and that's the only kind of cake they have. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Uh no, I'll co-sign everything you just said. It was really strong, and the choices made were really positive. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, this show just really snuck up on me in a lot of ways. I mean, I wasn't expecting a great deal from it um, when we started, but now it's just like, it's sort of like it became like this summer show that I was like most excited to turn on the next day, um, uh, you know, up until Halt and Catch Fire started. And then that took over (laughs) but uh i've just enjoyed the rhythms of the show a whole lot and um how genuinely good the show is at representing everyone's choices and their lives and how they're intersecting and how they have this mentor figure that is totally happy to like sort of be subtle and take a step back but maybe be subtly passive aggressive in some (laughs) ways but i like how like all the jacqueline dynamics get played and i think that adds a really good layer without like becoming the mentor that gives you the buck up advice right at the end um it's 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 a defter game that they're playing and i I really appreciate that from the show yeah, I absolutely agree. And we'll have more to say next week after their finale. Um, but the main thing yeah. I think we both agree and have to say is renew this show, Freeform WTF. Yeah. Oh, has it not been renewed yet? That's terrible. They need to get on that. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. This is too, this, this is like, this is a terrific way for them to very easily rebrand themselves post Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. And just, just do it. Just this, do it for you. For this is what they need to use to do that. Yeah. Okay. Our last show for a week in TV is Halt and Catch Fire Miscellaneous. And I'm just going to kick it off, kick it off with, um, I knew I liked, uh, other quiet coder daughter. Haley. 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 Thank you. Um, Easy I already knew I liked her. Oh yes, of course. And, and then she did the kids in the hall. I crushed <laughs> our head and I was like, yes, yes. I knew I liked you. You're the kind of kid who's watching Kids in the Hall in 1993, and I am <laughs> down for it. And it just made me sad that we haven't done a Kids in the Hall DVD shelf yet. Yeah, um, I figured. Yeah, I figured given the type of people you have on, because I saw that note in the rundown, I was just like, "Have you not? How you've been doing this for five Nobody's years? Nobody's ever How wanted you? to do it. That's really weird. Yeah, I'm surprised I, by that. Um, no, yeah, like, we'll have to, so, we have very someone, strange like, gaps. Yeah, someone come on and do Kids in the Hall with us, because um, I, I need to rewatch that. So, yeah, someone come on. Um, but t- talk to me about, like, the rest of the episode. Um, like, I was hiding behind the couch for all the Donna stuff. Yeah. Um, because it was all terrible and awful, and I loved every second of it. But 
Donna is just the worst. I was going to say, you, you said you were all in for the Donna as villain. We yeah. get that this week. Yes. Uh, and I'm enjoying the, okay, well, that's your daughter's thing. So yeah. if you're going to steal oh, it, God. have fun doing that. You're terrible. Yeah. Oh, that, that dinner scene was so good. It was just like, but you stole this idea from us. I told you about this idea. No, my team just kind of came to it organically when I manipulated them into thinking about it. <laughs> uh, but this is also your daughter's thing. And it's like Carrie Bichet's face when she realizes that Haley's involved in this is just, just it's so good. And it, mm -hmm. it demonstrates just how terrific of how really smart the show was to recenter on Bichet and Mackenzie in season two, um, because they're just so good. And it, it was just, it was, it was fun seeing a series of gut punches happen on top of how generally awful she's been to her employees, kind of to her daughter, um, uh, Joni. And then just in general, uh, it's just, it's been even to um, Annabeth Gish's character, who's ostensibly on her side, is sort of like, you need to cool it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and, I'm on the same page with you uh, as you with Trip, but like, seriously, you need to actually have some respect because yeah. this person is your senior. And yeah, we can joke around, whatever, but at a certain point, it's not funny. Be a mature adult. Yes. And it's been really fascinating to watch uh, Cam uh, Cameron, uh, Donna, um, navigate what this is. And I'm so excited to see more. But yes, I am very much on board with Donna as the villain. But I'm also just hiding behind my couch because that's how much I love Donna. Um, what did you think about all the stuff regarding Haley and Comet? And uh, going back to the I'm crushing your head, how just amazing was that sit down meeting? It was it was great. Like I was like twenty thousand uh, dollars. I thought you were gonna like give her a fifty dollar gift card. It's like to blockbuster. I, yeah, I, I loved I loved that whole dynamic. Um, I I was like, ask for a percentage. Come on. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, th I thought that yeah, it's it's a fun new idea. Like I would not have in my wildest dreams have imagined that this is where this season would go. And I, but I love it. I love, you know, the, I love the wrinkles that this adds and the personal element that like Donna is very ready to throw these other people under the bus, but she's not ready to do that to her daughter. So that, that puts new conflict and new considerations into play. And I mean, they have the design, they have the idea and Donna's company has the algorithm. So if they, if these Two people, these two teams could just get over themselves and put the idea and the execution with the algorithm. They'll have Google. <laughs> but, yes. you know, and knowing that as the audience and, and what that would mean for all of their futures and for their, for their, not just for money, but for also reputation and longevity in the, you know, in the tech um, industry and in the up, you know, the growing internet, uh, it's really deliciously uh, like there's a lot of irony, dramatic irony of it. Like we just know if they could just do it, they would, they would be unstoppable. And so seeing if they're going to be able to, and if they're going to be able to get over themselves and if they're going to be able to learn and find new respect for each other in time to do it is really exciting. No, it's super exciting. And while you were, while you were talking, like the thing that kind of popped in my head was, whether or not like our finale is going to take place in the present day. 
And I, I feel like it has to in a lot of ways, just given where from where this show started, that taking ending in the present day just seems sort of like a natural thing for me, uh, especially given how, but also especially given how season uh, three sort of like sped up a little bit at the end um, to get them where they need to be. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, we know that they're probably not going to invent Google because the show's been really hyper aware, even back in season one, of technolo- technological changes that they had anticipated, but they were too small um, to actually follow through on, or they just didn't have the time. So like the, the Apple computer that uh, basically beat their laptop that came out and was just like the thing at that conference at, in the end of season one, is like a really solid example of that. And I'd be curious to see how much of a shift starts happening with this one as well. Um, I guess like my last question, this is also Donna related is, uh, how did you feel about all the Cameron stuff? Especially like we got a little quick scene with Tom, which I was not, not expecting, but we also got her at that conference and Donna just like being horrible, just horrible. Um, but also her revelation that she had leaked the game to um, Electronic Gaming Monthly, expecting it to get a terrific review and getting a terrible review. And as someone who read Electronic Gaming Monthly in the 90s, uh, I just want to say how much I appreciate like the editorial layout for those pages because that's exactly what that would have looked like. And it made my heart very happy. <laughs> um, I, I really liked it. I thought it was good to, to stoke the fires and, re- and remind everybody the level of animosity we're dealing with between these characters, uh, the level of betrayal they both feel. Um, and that, that honestly, they're both justified in feeling, uh, they've both been very deeply betrayed by the other, um, for good at times reason, like it's not like that came out of nowhere on either part. They both contributed to the destruction of their friendship and their partnership. But, um, if especially if they want us to root towards this, or if that's going to be a, a, a central thread, the animosity between these two is is a big part of what's driving the action. I think it's important to reestablish the base level of where they're at, and the, like the moment in in Gordon's uh, house was not enough to do that. So this panel was a, a really good way to do that. Uh, I enjoyed the scene with Tom. I thought it was I thought it was very good to get some one to one, some face to face there. And uh, it was a little on the nose, her describing Joe the way that then she yeah, shows herself was. to be at the end. Um, but, you know, we'll see where it goes. Do you think we'll see Tom again? I I, I, I think we'll pro- I want to see him at least once more, even if it's just uh, he pops up in the States. I don't necessarily need, like, another flashback. Um, mm-hmm. But I would like him to show up in the States, I think, once, uh, just to see how he responds to Cameron and Joe in this capacity or just Cameron in this capacity, or even just Joe in this capacity. I'm just rattling off everything at this point that I want the show to do. Uh, but I, I think that there's there's a, there's something that can be still played with Tom, and I, um, I'll be interested to see, considering the fact that the show is very limited space, um, if they were able to make room for that. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think, uh, I think another one in the present makes sense. Or even, you know, if they do cut to the future at some point in the last episode or something like that, maybe then. But we'll see. We'll see what they do. Uh, I just we're in such safe hands, you know. Whatever yeah. they want to do, I want to watch it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, what wins your week in TV? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I'm going to give it to The Tick just because of how real fun it was. And it was also something I was sort of, even after the pilot, sort of hesitant about. And I was, I, I really enjoyed myself. Uh, so I'll give it to the Tick season one this uh, week. What about you? Hmm. Well, there's several contenders here. There are. You have a lot. You have a lot of choice here. I feel like I have to give it to Twin Peaks. Like, yeah. I could give it to Rick and Morty. I could give it to the Bold Type. I mean, I did. I did really love so much of that episode. Everything with Cat Nadina, like. And cat's super privileged, but spending eleven thousand dollars on a date. Like her parents, her parents miles, man. Her sure, miles. Yeah, I like that they threw that bone out there. Like, and they don't say how many miles those are. Yeah, but you know, anyways, mm, someone's got privilege. <laughs> uh, anyway, but but I do think I have to go with Twin Peaks. Just it was so wonderful to start getting a little bit of clarity. And to to have the show indulge in some fan service while still staying true to what they've created so far this season. So I'm going to give it to Twin Peaks. So that wraps up our week in TV. And so now we'll take a break, listen to a little music, and come back, or listen to a trailer, I should say, of one of the shows we're excited about um, for this fall, and come back with our Fall Network TV preview. We'll be right back after this. Courtney Rose is a 27-year-old struggling rapper and candidate for mayor. Why are you doing this? I know I'm a good rapper, but nobody's ever even heard of me. This campaign's gonna change all of that. I'm proud to have led the effort to restore the city commons, which is now well. Hold up. Have you actually ever been there? Don't tell us about our reality, because we live our reality every day. My mixtape is getting some crazy love. What's happening? And appears as if Courtney Rose is mayor of Fort Gray. What happened? You the mayor. You rap because you critique the status quo. Maybe, maybe now you can actually change it. Let me help you. I know it needs to get done, and I know how to do it. People are tired of hearing what phonies intend to do. We can transform the city. I think I got this. Damn right you do. Come on, we gotta get you some sleep in my beer last chance for the next four years. Wait, this job is four years? We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And this week we are doing our fall 2017 uh, network TV preview. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the major networks and talk about their, the new shows that they are uh, putting out this fall. And some of them we've seen the pilots for, some of them we have not. And I've seen the pilots to only one of them. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of Noel telling us stuff and then just talking about, for the other ones that we haven't seen, talking about the uh, the premise and and the cast and whether we're interested in, in something in, it, in that show and, and any trends that we're sort of noticing this fall. So uh, let's start with ABC. And so the first one we're going to talk about here is they have uh, The Good Doctor premiering on September 25th. This was developed by David Shore and Daniel Day Kim. People will know Shore, of course, from House, uh, Daniel Day Kim. Uh, you know, he was on uh, Lost on Hawaii Five O. This is an adaptation of a South Korean series of the same name, and it stars Freddie Highmore as a pediatric surge- surgeon who has autism and savant syndrome. Uh, Richard Schiff is his mentor. Uh, what else do we need to know about the Good Doctor, Noel? And should people check it out? Um. So the pilot is forty-five minutes, and it feels like ninety, uh, which is not a great thing. 
and it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, there's decent procedural promise here, and Highmore is very, very good, which shouldn't surprise anyone um, if you're even like passingly familiar with his work over on Bates Motel, um, where he's just he's very good in Bates Motel too, and he's very good here. But based on the pilot, my concern with the Good Doctor is that there's going to be a lot of I don't like you because you're you have autism is a lot a big strand that runs through this pilot in especially because like a lot of the first episode deals with shift having to justify hiring him and it ends with the head surgeon being like you're only going to do suction my or because i can't trust you and <laughs> and it's just like this is really ridiculous so my concern is that a lot of this pilot a lot of this show is going to be people not trusting him while he's solving these things instead of him solving things and occasionally not getting trusted and or being pushed back against in some capacity and so that makes me kind of nervous about what the show's going to do going forward um but there's it's got a really solid cast of like supporting actors of you've seen these people in lots of other programs and so you know that they're good. They're just maybe ill-served by the material. But this is also something where I watch it and also something like 10 Days in the Valley, which also premieres, that I go, this is kind of where the new direction of ABC's hour-longs are probably going to be heading, is this more very procedural-driven with something of a spin, even though 10 Days in the Valley feels super familiar. But we'll get to that in just we'll a second. <laughs> yeah. And so... If you're even passingly curious, there are significantly less interesting things to check out this fall season, but I'm probably only going to maybe spot check for like another couple episodes just because that's how much I like Freddie Highmore. Okay, that says a lot. Yeah, I I, yeah. I see Freddie Highmore. Uh, I'm like, huh. I see yeah. uh, Dave, David Shore Medical. I'm like, uh. Yeah. You have new yeah. stories to tell. I hear... Autistic doctor faces challenges on network TV. I go, oh. Yeah, and the oh is like really my big hang up with it is that I'm not convinced that this can be done in a way that feels overly saccharine in a lot of ways. And it already, like, the pilot already sort of veers that direction in this. We should hire him because it's good for societally for us to hire him. To it very much feels like the show going, this is important that we're showing this mm -hmm. type of thing from a representational standpoint, which I'm not knocking, but I have a trouble swallowing it in the pilot when I don't have more to go on in terms of what that representation is. Yeah. Nope, that, that sounds about right. Um, keep me posted. I will check it will. out if you say that I should. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I just don't... I'm not excited about this new direction for ABC. Uh, another one I'm not very excited about is Inhumans, uh, premiering just a few days later on September 29th. This is uh, connected to, obviously, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and their whole Inhumans storyline. The Inhumans royal family, uh, there's a military coup. They escape to Hawaii. And uh, yay. I, the trailer looks terrible. They're, they're premiering the pilot as an IMAX movie that's going to run for a couple weeks before it airs on TV. Um, the... With less stuff in it than what's going to be on the TV version, which is fun. Yeah. Why should you pay fifteen dollars to see it on IMAX when you can watch an ABC for free, everyone? Yeah, I don't know why. Why you would like if it looked like it was going to be an amazing, 
like lost level pilot then like yeah. i would pay some money to watch the lost pilot in imax yeah. hell yeah but yeah i would too this does not look good and I know it's not his fault. I know it's not his fault. But the guy playing the villain, at least based on the trailers, is the actor whose name I can't pronounce. who played Ramsey Bolton on Game of Thrones and also uh, was on Misfits, which I've not yet seen. And I just hate his Ramsey Bolton face so much that I'm not ready to watch him be another entitled villainous character. So that's I know that's a me thing. But are, are you looking forward to Inhumans at all or not so much? Not so much. Um, ABC pulled down the pilot for this after um, the Television Critics Association junket, so I didn't get a chance to watch it before mm -hmm. they pulled it down, which I was very upset about because I was looking forward to being bored by this um, based on the <laughs> response from everyone else. But I'm also someone who's never been like super interested in the Inhumans as like comic book characters. So the fact that um, Ike Perlmutter finally got to make his Inhumans thing because this was something that was also on the movie slate forever before Kevin yeah. Feige just went... No, we're not doing this. Um, but the Inhumans have risen in prominence in the comic books in no small part because a lot of people think that because Fox owns the X-Men, that Perlmutter was just like, well, we've got these guys who are basically mutants, so they're going to rise in prominence in the comic books, and that's why he was, had been pushing this project forever, and no one wanted it because the Inhumans, not super interesting. So we'll see. Like The only thing that's possibly interesting is the fact that their lead character doesn't speak because his voice can destroy the world. Um, Which is we'll good for Anson Mount, let's be honest. It is. It he can, is. He can pull that off. He can pull that off. And I think that's going to be like the more interesting thing to watch is like this very non-vocal non performance and where that goes. But then I also see that like he has this massive document of like hand signals for this show that's not going to last more than a season. <laughs> oh, no. And I feel really bad for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not looking... Yeah, I'm just... I, yeah. Good for him. Good for his process. Let's move yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. So 10 Days in the Valley premieres on ABC uh, October 1st. Um, yep. This is, you'd already referenced it. This is about a TV producer whose uh, young daughter disappears. Um, Kira Sedgwick is the mom. Uh, then there's uh, some other cast members. Uh, Adewale Akinuye Agbazi. Triple A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was really great on Lost uh, before yeah. he wanted off. Uh, Erica Christensen, uh, Michael Del Warner, Emily Kinney, so some really talented actors yeah. there. Uh, not super thrilled by the premise, but interesting pilot. What did you think? It's well, one of the things I should mention is that Cedric was uh, replaced Demi Moore originally, and I can't. I can't really imagine Demi Moore in this, um, though I don't have really any issues seeing Sedgwick in it, um, who Sedgwick, as we know, can do just about anything um, based on the, just how well she did on The Closer and kept that character really interesting and fresh. Um, but this is a show that, A, feels like a gazillion different ABC procedurals within the last five years. So, like, missing, somewhere in be somewhere between, Goodness. things that... Kidnap things that you did not watch. <laughs> <laughs> I actually and, did, but yeah. <laughs> right. Well, well, generally, based on the fact things that, that I of shouldn't have watched, yes. Yeah, that they're trying again. Uh, but this is also sort of a weird show in that the TV procedural stuff is the fact that they are actually making a TV cop procedural within the show. Uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner's character is a writer on the show, and he is, like, trying to pitch ideas, and he literally says, Lost Girl makes us care, right? 
to this big plot twist that they want to work into the actual show. And you just go, oh, why are you being really meta? Because it's not working. It's not the right <laughs> choice. It's not the right choice that you're making. But there's like a gazillion yeah. different plates happening where the father is a recovering alcoholic. She is a woman who mixes ambient red wine and cocaine. Um, she's been using true crime stuff from her time as a documentarian to write her show. And her gang source is like kind of upset by how one-to-one this is all being. Mm-hmm. And then there's the missing kid. And the fact that she keeps lying to the police about it and just all this stuff is happening. And I don't know what this show thinks it is, but it's not a, it's not a coherent procedural is a drama, a serialized drama type thing just yet. The big standout is, as you alluded to, based on his performance on Lost is AAA. He plays the cop who's assigned the case and this is sort of like the most ordinary normal I've ever seen this actor. Mm-hmm. And he's really good and it's kind of fascinating. And that is sort of like was my big takeaway from the pilot. But this is if you didn't like missing somewhere between kidnapped or even like Red Widow, this is this isn't something to check out. Yep. Fair yeah. fair enough. Yeah, that does not I, I hope listeners that we will find some stuff for us to check out, but we're not there yet. Um, the Mayor, ABC comedy. Um, this stars Brandon Michael Hall as a uh, aspiring rap star and, and musician uh, who decides to raise his profile by running for mayor of his town. Um, and spoiler alert, do you think he's going to end up winning and have to go through with being mayor after all? Uh, Leah Michelle is going to end up as his, um, based on the trailer, ends up as his chief of staff, and uh, his mom, he's young, he's very young, he's in his 20s, his mom is played by Yvette Nicole Brown, who we love. Yay! Um, and yep. David Spadley shows up in the pilot as the person he's running yes. against. Um, so, I mean, I'll watch pretty much anything for Yvette Nicole Brown, at least one. Um, so I'm definitely yeah. going to check this out. What, what did you think? It's a super privacy pilot because they really drive home the whole idea of, like, he's at a event um, that he's or- – a cl- community cleanup event that basically sort of swayed the election in his favor. And he ditches it to go and do a rap. Uh, performance um, with uh, David Diggs, who's an executive producer on the show, nice. and he pops he pops up as the rapper um, that uh, the character performs with. But it's like the tensions of wanting to become this rap star versus the fact that I can do a difference as the mayor, which is that Nicole Brown's character like points out very heavy-handedly. But I like the concept. Um, I'm eager for the show to figure out how to use Leah Michelle in a way that recognizes that she's funny because Leah Michelle can actually be very funny. Like the standout from what I remember of Scream Queens is Leah Michelle being very funny. Mm-hmm. And so I, she can be more than like the straight man because uh, the lead performer and the two men playing his like um, playing his best friends are, are all really, really good. But everyone feels sort of like feeling things out still. Um, so it's privacy pilot, but it's by far and away sort of like the show that I've watched that I'm sort of most excited to see more of. Okay. So this, this is like the endorsement that I can give for, for everything. is like it kind of all goes downhill after this, but 
the mayor is like the one I'm most excited for, and uh, the one I think of everything is going to be the one that I think maybe like filters into our rotation a bit more. I'm hoping it does anyway. Okay, yeah. The, the given ABC's like desire for new directions, I'm I'm leery. So it's encouraging that even if it is a very broad setup that you know yeah. that they can at least still do that right <laughs> you know yeah um so yeah we'll see i i am kind of looking forward to that one that's very exciting um not super looking forward to kevin probably saves the world which is renamed from the gospel of kevin that's on abc on october 3rd this cast is really good it uh is. jason ritter joanna garcia swisher uh kimberly herbert Gr- uh gregory j august richards uh india de beaufort like i've enjoyed these people on many things uh jason ritter is incredibly watchable but this is uh, jason ritter gets a mission from god to save the world is all I know about this one. Um, and uh, just immediately just young white man, young, 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 attractive white man, go forth and save everyone. Like I just, I balk at it. Just my instincts say run away. Huh. Yeah. And uh, ABC pulled down the pilot for this one too. So I didn't get a chance to, I didn't get an opportunity to watch it. Uh, so I'm sort of like passingly interested in just concept wise of, like it, it sort of feels like Joan of Arcadia, which is a show I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but your point is also the reason I'm sort of also balking at it, and that I'm not really sure that I, I want to watch that either. So I'll probably give it like a test run, but I'm not, I'm not, I haven't been like super excited about this. Now we're moving over to CBS, and the next one we have here is Me, Myself, and I, which is premiering on September 25th. Um, this is uh, the, the reason that Bonnie B. Moynihan left SNL at the end of the last season is to, to star in the sitcom, and it's one character um, as a 14-year-old who's moving, who's just moved to L.A., as a 40-year-old who's just uh, having his marriage breakdown, and that's by Moynihan, and then as a 65-year-old uh, retiree, and that's John Larroquette. Um, so yes. you also have Brian Unger in there, Jaleel White in there. There's some some other uh, character uh, characters and character actors in there as well. Um, what do you think of this one? I really like the concept of the th- sort of three tiered structure. Um, the pilot doesn't do it any favors because none of the it's so plot driven that. I'd rather it be sort of thematically united as opposed to plot united in that we have to set up this character, this character, and this character and these struggles to make everything sort of make sense. Um, that it's super interesting, but I, I want to see more from how they're going to use this three-tiered structure on an episodic basis, or if they even keep doing it on an episodic basis. Um there's there's also just the fact that this is just a really generally well-to-do white guy's vague struggles of my marriage fell apart and I'm living in my best friend's garage, except by the end of the pilot, he's on an upswing. So it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, well, that really didn't last very long and that kind of sucked all the dramatic tension out of this. Uh, so yay, I guess. And then there's also, as um, has been pointed out by a couple of folks, the um, Sharon Lawrence plays the woman of his dreams that he meets as a 14-year-old and then botches his attempt with at a school dance, but then meets when he's 65, except for the fact that there's like a 15-year age difference between John Larroquette and Sharon Lawrence. Mm. And it shows, it shows. And they kind of have like... fairly immediate chemistry, but these are also two very veteran actors. But it's like, 
oh, guys, I can really see the age difference between both of them. And I'm having a really trouble believing that they're the same age, guys. It's distracting. Um, so I'm willing to give it, like, uh, another sh- a couple of episodes, but I really sort of worry it might be a little too high concept to work on an episodic basis. The one thing that I will say that kind of makes me excited, Kate, is that Alison Tolman plays the ex-wife Ooh. in the present-day setting, and she's kind of terrible in, like, the one scene she gets. The character is kind of yeah. terrible, so she gets to play a kind of terrible person. And I am there for that. I'm very there for that, yeah. So I'm hoping she recurs a little bit um, as the show goes forward um, in the present day sections. But yeah, of the other comedy pilots that weren't the mayor, this is probably like the strongest one. But that's not saying a whole lot. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's like, because when they said, when they read John Larroquette's playing him at 65, like, John Larroquette is not 65. (laughs) and i looked up no he's 70 um so that's a little yeah like like that's a a big five years unless you're you know like and especially because we have seen laracat so long he's he's been such a presence in in tv pop culture um so that that's a little like it's a little surprising like why not just make him be 70 yeah well, because then the timeline gets really wonky and you can't do all the 90s time stuff with the kid. No, just set it five years further in the future. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I just, like, I Who don't, knows? You know, anyways. I feel like when you get John Larroquette, you just make him be, like, the actual... Like, I, there's so many jokes you could do about turning 70, but I guess they wanted yeah. to show him retiring at 65. So, yeah. anyways, okay. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say, like, you know, however many years in the future, the retirement age will be higher, but we'll no. see. We'll see. Okay. Uh, we should move on. Next up is 9JKL, a show with a really stupid premise and a really good cast. Um, so Mark Fairstein is, uh, who people will know from Royal Pains and many other things, uh, is an actor who has an apartment J uh, 9K. And guess what, guys? Who lives in apartment 9J right next door? Well, that's his parents, including who are paid by Elliot Gould and Linda Lavin. And then who lives in 9L? It's his brother, sister-in-law, and their kid. And it's uh, David Walton, Liza Lapira, and uh, Albert Tsai, which I'm all here for it's Albert not, Tsai. It's not their kid. Oh, it's not their kid? <laughs> oh, I thought it was their kid. Okay, well, they yeah. have a baby. Is it, there's, there's, Albert Tsai is a different kid who's just around? Yeah, he just hangs out in the lobby. It's really weird, and it doesn't make any f***ing sense. Okay, now, are you willing to go with it because it's Albert Tsai and he was adorable on uh, on Trophy Wife? No. No? Oh, that's too bad. That's yeah, not, not, not good. I'm not willing to go with anything on this. Uh, this is really bad. Um, I don't know how it made the schedule. Uh, we should also note, like, this is semi-autobiographical, extra- extrapolated autobiographical. Like, this happened to Fernstein. Okay. Um, he got divorced. Uh, he had a show fall apart. And that just factors into the show. In the show, it's he was blind cop. Hmm. Cop, yeah. Um, but that fell apart, so he has to move back to New York, and he's trying to get, like, his career restarted. And apparently, like, this happened to Fernstein himself. Um, but no, it's super broad. Um, if you've heard any Jewish parent jokes, hey, guess what? You're going to hear them again here. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, like he, there's a whole thing with um, him 
his the woman that he knew in college running into her they meet they go on a date he takes him back to the apartment which why would you do that except for the fact that she's sort of living on a couch right now yeah. um so they have to go back so then she's treated to Elliot Gould discussing about how glorious and gorgeous this honeymoon uh, honeydew melon is. Uh, they get to hear through the thin New York apartment walls that he hasn't had sex in 10 months and all this stuff and just invasive parents and invasive family and I need boundaries if I'm going to live here. Why are you storing my breast? Why are you storing your breast milk in my refrigerator? I used it for coffee creamer. These are the types of jokes that you're getting in the pilot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So no, this is not good. I don't know why CBS aired this. They would have just been better off airing a rerun of literally anything else. Yeah, well, because your description, I'm like, okay, but that was good when it was Everybody Loves Raymond. It's right. been a long time since then. Right, and this feels like a relic from the 90s that has not been updated in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Steering clear of that one. It, yeah. like, you could tell, like, just based on the cast, that they, like, tried to... Like, who are the people that we keep putting in pilots waiting for the right thing to click with them? And, yeah. you know, apparently this is not it's it. It's all of these people. But... Um, yeah. Uh, also not looking forward to Young Sheldon on CBS. It's going to it's gonna have, like, the first episode or kind of, like, preview it um, uh, September 25th. And then it's actually going to kick off in November, beginning of November. And this is a prequel to The Big Bang Theory about Sheldon when he's nine years old and going to high school. Um, yes. And it's going to be narrated by Jim Parsons. Yes. Uh, like, I, there's... I'm trying to think of ways that I could be less excited about this one. Like, I already was not interested at all. And then I found out he was nine and in high school. I'm like, okay, even less so. And then I found out that it had voiceover from Parsons. I was like, hmm, why look? They found another way to make me even less optimistic about this show. Uh, wh wh what do you have? A anything, anything good about no, this? No, not like Zoe Perry, who plays um, the mom, uh, mm -hmm. is fantastic. She channels Laurie Metcalf's performance from Big Bang Theory really, really well, but it still feels distinct, which I really appreciate. That's where my praise for the show basically ends. Everything else is sort of fine, um, but it. the big thing I can tell you is that it feels really weird to watch CBS do an ABC comedy because it's set in the 90s, it's supposed to be defined by being in East Texas, but it doesn't feel defined by either of those things. So, like, there's not a lot of location humor beyond, hey, guys, football, am I right? And it's just like, uh, yeah, no, we all know that football is big in Texas. Some of us have watched Friday Night Lights. Not Noel, because he's only watched a season in mm -hmm. one episode. But I know that Texas is big in, big in Texas. Football is big in Texas. <laughs> But but there's no, like, real huge 90s-based comedy in this whatsoever. Um, so it feels really nondescript and nonspecific. And I don't... And there wasn't anything to really like, apart from the fact that, oh, Sheldon's being Sheldon, but he's nine. Oh, it's it's so nice to know that he was always like this. Oh, I, I, I think that the one thing I will say is that, and Daniel Feinberg over at um, Hollywood Reporter mentioned this in his like little capsule review of the premiere, is that the show would be better served if they just refocused on Demissy, mm -hmm. um, which I think is the correct decision to make. Because um, focusing on Sheldon is just, oh, how can we get more Sheldon without having Jim Parsons around? Oh, this is how we're going to do it. And it's not interesting. So unless you're just like super, super into this, uh, franchise, there's not really, there's not a reason to check this out. Yeah, that, yeah, no. I, like, 
kids they say the darndest things and sheldon says when the darndest they're geniuses things. right yeah so like so guess what let's make kids and sheldon at the same time even better it's like no guys no, no. no. okay well We'll see how long that one lasts. Uh, Seal Team on CBS premieres uh, September twenty seventh. This is the the new David Boreanaz show. Uh, it's about a, it's about a, t- a team of a Navy Seal a Navy Seal team, um, and it also has Jessica Perret. Uh, Boreanaz leads the leader of the team. Uh, Perret is the CIA analyst. She's gonna have the headset, <laughs> be like like in charge of missions and such. Um, have you had a chance to see this one or not yet? Yeah, I got a chance. Uh, this also has uh, Max Thoreau from mm-hmm. um, uh, Bates Motel as well. And he, like a couple of other actors this season, have grown. Uh, but I'm a serious actor now, Beard. Um, <laughs> which we'll get to when we get to Squat, uh, Swat and uh, Jay Harrington, who I did not recognize. Um, <laughs> but yeah, SEAL's team is of the military-themed pilots, and there's four of them. Um, not four, there's like three of them this year. Um yeah, three, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's uh, several. Yeah, it's military pilots were this this season's time travel pilots. Uh, this is the one that feels the most um, sort of derivative, but also like the most solidly put together. It feels very much like a CBS pilot. Um, it's hey, are they going to have time to do their mission, but get back in time for the family's piano recital, so, <laughs> which is literally the plot of the the pilot. Um, so there's good stuff. Boreanaz is good in this. Is really won't surprise anyone who's watched him in Bones for any extended period of time. Apart from being a little gruffer than he is on Bones, it's kind of the same character. It's Booth for more or less down to the military background. Um, but there's not a whole lot uh, interesting to watch. It, whether or not they can maintain like interest, I think will speak to their success. But as someone who wasn't like super excited about any of these military pilots, um, it's probably the one that will last the longest, I think, just because it's well put together and packaged well, but it's also not overly ambitious in thematic concerns, in character concerns, or in visual aesthetics. Like, um, we'll get to this in SWAT in just a second, but like that one's directed by Justin Lin the same way Scorpion was. And Scorpion is just, like, one of the least visually interesting shows on television right now Mm -hmm. because they couldn't maintain that. But SEAL Team keeps everything contained, focused, budget. It's well put together. It's competent. It's just not my bag of things. But I think it will probably do well for CBS. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Boreanaz is a TV star. He's very good at what he does. And um, there's you don't go from romantic lead on a show to lead of your own show for like so the total there is like 10 years to lead of another show for 12 years like that doesn't happen unless you're really good at what you do and people want to work with you yeah Uh, and so like i it when i saw that this was what he was doing next i thought it made complete sense it's a good fit for him and this is the kind of thing that cbs loves so i would Mm -hmm. be very surprised if this doesn't stick around for a while yeah, and I think it will, uh, the, uh, if it, provided it finds its audience, and I think it yeah. probably will. It'll do just fine for CBS. Yeah. It's like the unit. You know, it'll it'll yeah. do well for them, yeah. Um, next up is Wisdom of the Crowd, which premieres on October 1st, and uh, this stars Jeremy Piven oh. as, 
as a I assume based on the pictures as a douchey Silicon Valley guy uh, who develops an app called Sophie, right? So, Sophie, yes. Yeah. Um, to try to figure out who killed his daughter. Um, and then there's the cop who investigated the case and thinks it's closed, but maybe it's not. And there's his team. This sounds terrible to me. Um, like, Monica Potter's in it. Yay, she's getting money. But, like, I mean, Piven, I just can't. I just can't with uh, Piven. Yeah, so this, is, this was the worst pilot I watched um, for any number of reasons. So if uh, listeners, if you remember our discussions of um, Good Doctor, not Good Doctor, but um, the CBS medical drama last season. Ah, yes. Um, uh, pure Genius. Pure Genius, or, there we go. Or if you remember our discussion of APB, mm-hmm. of uh, the private sector and technology will save us. Yeah, um, just trust is, all the rich guys to just, just save us all. We don't need to do it. <laughs> which is what Wisdom of the Crowd is. Uh, Piven's character is not a douche. He's just super earnest, um, which is not a great look for Piven. Um, it results in a very boring Piven. Say what you want about douchey Piven. At least it's like high energy Piven. It's a strong flavor, yeah. Right. This is just very kind of low-key Piven, and I don't know which I like more. Um, hint, neither. Mm-hmm. But, but basically, the run of the pilot is, here's this app that, that outsources, crowdsources, things because crowds are better than the police because they have more things of knowledge and we can work through, we can filter things, but also like, who cares that this guy got beat up because of some bad information from the crowd? Well, we're kind of going to pay lip service to it, but eh, who cares? Uh, The cop is there to basically bring up things like the constitution and due process and just to be immediately shot down by everyone else around him. And so it's it's not good, it's not interesting, and it's also vaguely creepy. Um, the They don't solve the daughter's murder in this. This will be an ongoing thing across the season, I'm presuming. But they get a side um, murder, a side case, to, a side murder to solve, um, tangentially related. And they identify a suspect, but the suspect gets away in a sting operation. So they post the guy's picture to the app, And he gets spotted at a transit station and people start reporting him in. And he's, he starts like moving to his train and people are following him and he gets onto the train and he looks out the window and there's this mob crowd of people holding up their cell phones to get pictures and record video of him. And back in the control room, um, they've been telling people to stay away because this guy's dangerous, and one of the tech guys goes, but why aren't they staying away? We've told him he's dangerous, and Piven sovereignly intones, we all want to be in part of something bigger than ourselves. And it's just like, oh, oh God. God. Oh, yes. my God. Right, so this is where it is. It's just like, uh, this, these groups of people with their phones are, like, making sure this guy stays contained until the police get there, but it's it's all just, it's bad, a woman gets roped into being a listening device um, because they don't have a warrant to like listen to their conversation. But if the woman volunteers to hold her phone nearby to the conversation, it's admissible. All mm-hmm. these sorts of fun legal workarounds that this show just exploits. And no, just no, no. Yeah, I no. hated this. Yeah, so yeah, no, I want that. That sounds like. Like it's in the it's in the middle of a Venn diagram of things that I hate. So yeah, <laughs> thank you for watching it. So I don't have to. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> Happy to help. 
Okay, next up, our last one from CBS is SWAT. Uh, this is premiering November 2nd. This is a remake of the film, which was a remake of the show from the 70s, and it's about a SWAT team. Right, and that's kind of where this is a weird cop show um, in that it wants to be a remake of SWAT. Like, the theme song kicks in at the end. There's definitely a character that feels like um, he's supposed to be in this action-driven version of the show. And every once in a while, that action-driven part of the show gets interrupted by a much more interesting part of the show in which Shamar Moore, who's the lead character here, um, is tasked with sort of improving like community relations between the police and this particular neighborhood, which doesn't really make sense for me as a SWAT team person. But I also don't know like what SWAT teams do outside of, you know, being cool, <laughs> which is what the other half of the show is. But it deals with very aggressively right off the bat with police relations in black communities and where Shamar Moore's character fits into that as a black man. And it's like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I could maybe see myself watching this show. But then the action stuff kicks in of like, we're at a neighborhood rally about the fact that one of the SWAT members accidentally shot a black kid in the pursuit of a suspect. And so they're having a rally, but then two white guys get shot by a sniper but this is part of a misdirect for something else to happen. It's all very convoluted because we needed the big fight scene chase scene at the end of the episode to happen. It's, it's a show that doesn't know what it wants to be just yet. And I'm vaguely interested in seeing if it can figure out what that is. Um, if it wants to be that community interrogation of what a police force looks like in a community, I'm here for that. Even if I think Shamar Moore is sort of uneven, he's really good at the community stuff, but anytime he has to be like the head of my SWAT team, he gets really gruff and very granite, basically. And I don't know what he's doing, but anytime he's in the community, it's really good. So I don't know quite what the show is, and I don't think the show does either. But I'm semi-curious to find out if it can figure it out. Okay. Well, that's certainly more promising than the... It's not, not like, morally uh, uh, disturbing, a la yeah. the, the, the wisdom of the crowd. So there's yeah. that. Okay. We're going to move yeah. on to, to Fox. And uh, there's just a handful of these ones. There's just a few from Fox. The uh, Fox is re rejiggering their screener site. So we're just going to kind of run down what's in yeah. this and who, who's in these shows and uh, we haven't had a chance to watch them yet but uh, uh, The Orville is premiering on September 21st this is the one you guys have probably seen some ads for it's Seth MacFarlane's new show it's a kind of a spoof adventure sci-fi show Galaxy Quest thing? I don't know yeah going for Galaxy Quest um, it's got Seth MacFarlane Adrian Palicki Penny Johnson Gerald Chad Coleman some other people I the, the casting of Penny Johnson Gerald is not lost on me obviously as a, as a DS9 fan Seth um, <laughs> McFarlane is the captain because of course he is um, Adrian Palicki is, is like one of the you know number two or something and also the ex-wife or the ex of the captain like as soon as I saw that I was like no poor Adrian Palicki give her something like the fact that they feel the need to define her as the ex of, of the captain immediately is like oh, come on guys she can do so much more than that and maybe they'll let her but I'm not optimistic based on that description um Seth MacFarlane is a nerd, uh, super nerd, so maybe this could be fun. I would watch 
this cast and a lot of stuff, but I just, I'm not very optimistic about his brand of comedy for me. But if you like Family Guy and stuff, this probably, and you like Star Trek, probably you'd like this, I'm guessing. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. Like McFarlane can be funny, I think sometimes, mm-hmm. not necessarily like Family Guy. Um, some parts of Ted, but um, he's he's such a he is as you alluded nerd. Like remember, like the only reason Cosmos aired on Fox is because he paid for it. Yeah, um, is that's the reason that this happened. Um, <laughs> So I don't I don't know like I'm vaguely interested but I'm I'm going in with like super low expectations about what this show is but I'm also expecting the fact that the trailer probably packed in all the laugh lines so yeah. I'm not I'm not sure what to I'm not sure what to expect here so I'm slightly more interested in the second of their comedy pilots yeah um, and that's Ghosted and that's yeah. uh, premiering on October first that has a skeptic and a true believer. Uh, recruited by the Bureau Underground to investigate uh, things that are happening, unexplained things that are happening in L.A. We got Craig Robinson and Adam Scott uh, as the two leads. Then Amber Stevens-West is on there. Ali Walker's on there. Deal Akhtar is on there, too. Um, it's a good cast. I, I The fact yeah. that uh, Ali Walker is playing, like, the captain or whatever, because, of course, I know her from Profiler, Um, where she was the agent so that's kind of fun for me but uh the fact that adam scott's character's last name is jennifer just has yeah he's he's like it's like max jennifer or something is his name when i saw that i was like oh that's not a good that's not a good sign but you know craig robinson and adam scott should be really funny together yeah, and I, I like the idea of, like, a comedic sort of X-Files thing happening mm-hmm. here. Um, so we'll see. Like, I'm vaguely optimistic. Like, Craig Robertson is very much a your mileage may vary sort of actor for me. Mm-hmm. But I like Adam Scott. I like the rest of this cast a good bit. So I'm I'm interested in this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested in this. I'm interested in the next one um, because it's, it's The Gifted. It's premiering the day after October 2nd on Fox. Uh, it's created by Matt Nix, who did Burn Notice. Um, the only reason I'm interested in it, though, is because it has Amy Acker as one of the leads. So Amy Acker and Stephen Moyer uh, play the normie parents of mutant kids who go on the run when they find out that their kids have, uh, like, superhuman abilities. And so they have to, like, hide out from the government, you know, who wants to take their kids and investigate them, that kind of a thing. So that's all I know about this one. It's Amy Acker and it's Amy Acker in the genre thing. So I'll probably check out a couple. Um, a lot of other people are more excited about this one than I am, like the X-Men-y kind of version of it. Um, well, it, it is the X-Men. Like I'm, I'm like half positive it takes place in the X-Men universe to some extent. Okay. But I'm not entirely sure. But it is like, it's supposed to be X-Men adjacent. Adjacent. Okay. Are you excited about this one? No, um, no. I mean, I, I I could just go watch No Ordinary Family again, I guess. Yeah. Or uh, which has a whole family of supers. Or um, but yeah, I, I'm just not super psyched about this. Um, Acker even isn't really enough to get me like excited. Um, yeah. But I will I will let you tell me if I should watch it when okay. it premieres. Okay. Um, so yeah, because I'm gonna be busy that day because it's my birthday. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to watch TV on my birthday. No, I probably will watch TV on my birthday. I don't have anything better to do. Who am I kidding? Um, But, yeah, we'll see. I'll let you tell me um, because I'm not, like, particularly excited about this. 
Okay. Um, next up is uh, over on NBC, The Brave. And this is another military pilot. This is Aunt, uh, Mike Vogel and Anne Hesh. Uh, Hesh? Hesh? Hesh. 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 Um, uh, Mike Vogel runs a team, uh, a lead commando team um, over in, uh, oh, they said the city, but in the Middle East. And Anne Hesh is the lady with the headset who's the, who's in charge. Uh, and um, it's, it's going to be a case of the week. We're in the, probably a longer mystery. Um, the, Anne Hesh's character's son was on Mike Vogel's team. He's the captain of the team and got killed like the day before the pilot is set. And she still has to come in anyway to save, you know, the person of the week and, it's all, oh, this person we thought was dead was really alive and all this different stuff. So I would not be surprised if the son is actually alive or something, which is not, <laughs> that's speculation. It's not in the pilot, but um, yeah, the, 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 t- I mean, I've, I've enjoyed this cast and other things, but again, if I was looking for a procedural, sure. But I have trouble with, again, this, I mean, they made a clear effort, a clear choice to, uh, for for diverse casting um for to they speak in 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 different languages and have subtitles it's not all in english like there's some choices here that i appreciate that are very consciously made um but i still just have trouble with this let's go get them like without more reflection and more of an awareness of how complicated all these situations are it's just i i don't have much interest in shows that um the bread and butter is making a very complicated geopolitical situation, very black and white. Um, so your mileage may vary, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> if you're not going to be bothered by the, the geopolitical stuff um, or the military stuff, uh, or, or like that's more interesting to you then I think you'll probably like it. And it, it's a cast who knows what they're doing. And Heish can look, be commanding with a clipboard, you know, all day long and have gravitas in her voice. Like that's, they're fine at this kind of stuff so um yeah we'll see it, it, it could be a lot worse yeah I, have i, I managed I, to undersell <laughs> you have so undersold this but it's also important to remember that i don't remember nbc ever advertising this while i was watching like the carmichael show or anything mm-hmm. so i have nothing like to think about with yeah. the show like i kind of forgot that nbc had a scripted pilot this season because the yeah. only other thing they have premiering is law and order true crime on september 26th yeah and uh, yeah the, i will say the rapport of the cast is good mm-hmm. like there's good chemistry with the team yeah. and with like they they make it actually a concerted effort to give characters specific character traits like almost okay. a little over the top pained effort to do so but at least i appreciate that they're trying a lot of mm-hmm. these team-based ones don't do that in their pilots yeah. so um so at least there's that but mm, it, yeah. like we've seen a lot of bad pilots it's not a bad pilot it's just it's not super memorable as far as i'm concerned sure. uh there's like you said law and order true crime which is premiering on september 26th this is um gonna be eight episodes focused on the menendez murders uh, Edie Falco, Anthony Edwards, Julianne Nicholson, Heather Graham, Elizabeth Reeser, Josh Charles, plenty of other actors um, that we like or at least know. Uh, I don't care. Do you yeah, care? Yeah, I don't either. No. Uh, this just feels like they're... It, it feels like we're slapping Law & Order onto a true crime show so that we can yeah. have it prepackaged. And I just kind of went, oh, no. You guys are a little late to this boat, too. <laughs> yeah, I would watch Josh Charles or Elizabeth Reeser in 
or Julianne Nicholson really in pretty much anything. So I might check it but out just this, for them. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, who knows? We'll see. We'll see. So that, that, that's been a pretty high profile one. And I'm sure y'all will see lots of ads. So let's move on to CW. Uh, they only have two this fall valor on October 10th. Oh, sorry, October 9th and dynasty reboot on October 11th. So let's start with valor. Uh, this is another, this is the final military show. Um, and it's set in the present, but there's also a lot of flashbacks, um, following a group of like a helicopter, pilots and uh they, there's flashbacks to a failed mission and there's conspiracies and all sorts of other craziness going on uh how was this one no you've summed up everything about the show and the pilot right <laughs> and there. i haven't seen it <laughs> yeah no you've, you've got everything uh this isn't particularly good um it's really weird to this is super off-brand for cw and it feels off-brand it looks off-brand like this is sort of like the cheapest pilot i've seen from the cw in a long time cheapest looking i should say the, they they clearly spent all their money on the helicopters um, and didn't save it for anything else um it's it's also sort of confused in what it wants to be about there's that conspiracy angle which is something I don't care about at all. And it's, I really struggled to like invest it in it. Um, but it's also, there's some like representations of PTSD that I'm, I am more interested in, but the show isn't super interested in either. So that it, there's like a re really weird tension happening here. And I don't suspect that Valor is going to last very long. Um, just from tone, it doesn't really fit with CW. It's like, too serious um but none of the actors are good enough to get that across and it, it's it's just sort of a weird half effort of uh, we really want to do something different but we didn't know how to but we paid for this already so i guess we have to and it's not it's it's not good i i was I, I wasn't expecting a whole lot and i was just generally sort of disappointed by a lot of it um i think the best thing i can no there's not a best thing i can say about it it's not as bad yeah. as it's one just, of the other yeah. ones it's not yeah well it's not bad than wisdom of the crowd but more wisdom of the crowd is morally reprehensible this is just bad if <laughs> that's something you can say it's not morally <laughs> reprehensible yet yeah, yeah, but fingers crossed. I mean, fingers crossed. But yeah, the conspiracy stuff just feels like an afterthought. Whereas I'd be much more interested if they were just like, "We're going to do a PTSD story, and how this woman struggles with that," and they're not going to do that. So, fair enough. Well, our last show that we have here is the Dynasty reboot. Uh, talk about off-brand. This really, this feels like CW of like five years ago. Uh, right. Not CW of now. Uh, so. I feel like I don't need to say anything else. It's a remake of one of the most famous nighttime soaps of TV history, uh, certainly of the 80s. Uh, so, so talk to me about Dynasty. Right. So Dynasty is, like you said, it feels very much like a CW pre-Arrow, which mm -hmm. is when they made their big transition. But it also feels like they, they're a desire to sort of recorrect a little bit of how superhero gluttoned they've become. Um, but it's super weird because it's not soapy, trashy enough to be really interesting. Um, so it just sort of feels really flat in a lot of ways. And that's not the good thing for Dynasty. Um, cause 
Dynasty sums up so many connotations, as you alluded to, with like 80s primetime serial soap stuff. Like, this is big stuff. So, like, the catfight that has been overplayed in the trailers for this happens A, towards the end, and B, is the most trashy, sudsy thing that happens here. Um, legitimately, the thing that I can compare it to is most obviously is the Dallas reboot that TNT sort of floated a couple of years ago. And it feels very much like that. It was sort of inert, um, glimmers of ideas kind of circulating, but there's nothing super, super interesting here. Um, and some of the things make transitions generally really well, like, um, Relocating to Atlanta does not make the transition very well. As an Atlanta resident, I just kind of go, well, at least you mentioned Buckhead, and this is where they would live. But um, the rest of it just kind of, the whole Atlanta location feels super forced onto the show, because as much as I like Atlanta, it's not a super glamorous place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So setting Dynasty there seems a little weird. Uh, but what are you going to do? Um, if you're not filming your CW show in Atlanta, you're filming it in Vancouver, and they're not going to film Dynasty in Vancouver. Uh, um, so, yeah, maybe they'll figure out and get like some really good trashy, sudsy, primetime soap stuff going, but the other big knock I can like level against Dynasty is the fact that when the sex scene in Valor is a little steamier and racier, then the sex scene in Dynasty, there's a problem. You've done it wrong. <laughs> you have done it wrong, Josh Schwartz. Yeah. And a person who's also doing this with him, whose name I cannot remember, and I apologize. Um, but yeah, it's just like Gossip Girl, even if it was not my particular cup of tea, had a lot of energy and mm-hmm. like stuff going for it. Dynasty doesn't have any of that, and I kept also wondering why Alan Dale was saddled um, as the butler slash major major dormo of the family until like the very end when i went oh good alan dale's gonna have shit to do i'm excited about that <laughs> and that he's not just here out of loyalty to josh schwartz the butler did it alan i don't whatever his job is alan dale did it yeah he's basically the butler but still <laughs> yeah just like when you see alan dale show up in something you're like he 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 did it if it's a procedural or right. you know or oh. like he's actually the man behind the, the the screen or whatever um yeah okay well i was already not interested in dynasty so i will super make sure i don't check it out um yeah. any thoughts overall on the upcoming season i mostly i feel like okay good i can stick to the shows i'm already watching that's how i feel about it is like there's nothing from the broadcast season this year apart from like the mayor really that i'm like super like wanting to see more of that mm-hmm. i've seen already yeah. um so it feels really low-key the one other premiere that we didn't mention that i didn't include in this rundown is that uh star trek discovery will have its cbs on air premiere before mm-hmm. it transitions to all access um and it got released today that the tv rating for star trek discovery is tvma which back to the point about dynasty yeah Star Trek is rated TVMA. You're not doing Star Trek correctly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, that's like on, I want to say, I forget quite when that happens on CBS before it transitions to all access. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, but we didn't bring it up because Kate and I are both, I think, kind of pretending that's not existing. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. watch it, but like, yeah. I'm yeah. leery. I'm leery. 
Yeah, so it's it's not a good it's not a good broadcast season, guys. It's 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 a it's not a good broadcast season. Yeah, but there's also a lot fewer new shows too, which there I thought are. was interesting. Yeah, so they, and they... a lot, lot of stuff is getting saved for mid season too. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens mid season, but. For now, let's wrap up our, our fall preview. Uh, if you show notes here at the end of the episode, you can find a post of this episode over at theteleverse.org, which is the website for the podcast. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can uh, find us on Facebook, like the page, and start a conversation there. You can also find us with an M4A chapter feed and MP3 unchaptered feed in iTunes. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews there. It helps other people find the show. You can also find us in Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews there as well. And then, of course, we're both up on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. And we'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse.